how to see and share Jesus from all of Scripture, well, learn with us at the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. Well, welcome to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast, where we are looking at seeing and sharing Jesus from all of Scripture. We are starting a new season on Christ Centered and Clear. Pretty much over the next quarter to half a year, we're going to be looking at wisdom literature in a bunch of different ways. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. Uh, but I have with me, as we kind of jump off the podcast on the on Proverbs and uh, our look at wisdom literature, I have John Aiken with me, my co-host, as always, and then also have Josh Redberg, uh, who's been on with us before. And then now for the first time, all the way from Scotland, we have Liam Garvey. Uh, Liam is a pastor at Charlotte Chapel in Edinburgh. We're going to get to know him just a little bit here in a second, uh, who's also preached a little bit through Proverbs. And so, uh, again, we're going to have a conversation about that today. Liam, we appreciate you being on, man. Thanks for having me. So we'll get to know him uh, in just a second. But Josh, hey, before we kind of jump in, could you just give an overview of kind of where Christ Centered and Clear is heading over the next few months, maybe even up to half a year? Sure, Nate. It's an exciting time. There's some uh, things in the works. The first one is the podcast is getting started again after the almost year-long break, diving into wisdom literature, as you just said, uh, for the next six months. So that's an exciting thing, walking through that on a week-to-week basis. The second thing is that we're in the process on a couple different books. Jonathan has written a book on uh, Proverbs, which is uh, is almost finished, so we're excited to release that in the, in the spring, as well as the first of our uh, shorter books on how to preach Christ. Uh, the first one's going to be from Daniel. It's going to be short little sort of companion books that you might read alongside of a Bible study, um, but sort of taking our format from the podcast and condensing it into a written form. So some books, the podcast, and then we actually have a number of uh, one-day conferences coming up. The next one is in Dallas on December 4th. Mm. Uh, so we're excited to to have the second one. We had one last fall. We have one in the spring in Minneapolis again, and then actually in May, um, our first international Christ Center Clear Conference in Edinburgh, Scotland. Did I say that right, Liam? Well, <laughs> well that, yeah, and we look forward to the one that's coming uh, most closely. We'll hear from from my dad. He was actually going to talk about, funny enough, we grew up with our dad preaching on Song of Solomon all the time, but he's going to talk about how his preaching of Song of Solomon has, has changed over the years. And so that'll be fun. Juan Sanchez will join us. John and Josh will be with us. And so uh, make plans to be with us there. And then we're just getting plans together for uh, the one in May in in Scotland. So, hey, join us there, too. Be a fun place to go hang out. So uh, fly over and uh, hopefully meet a ton of people there as well. Uh, So, yeah, lots going on. Be checking out the website. Be checking out, obviously, our podcast. And uh, we're on social media as well. And more plans uh, will be shared there. Hey, Liam, we want to get to know you first since uh, you haven't been on with us before, and I know you, so I know your testimony, and uh, so it's a wonderful testimony. So I need you to briefly and succinctly, unfortunately, share it here. We can probably find a way to share it in a, in a, a broader sense another time, but just tell us how you came to know the Lord uh, and then even just got into pastoral ministry. Yeah, sure. Thank you. I was uh, raised in a, a Catholic home uh, just about 15 miles west of Edinburgh, uh, nominal to say the least you know you went to church on Sunday you lived however you want to live the rest of the time that's basically how it worked 
Uh, home life was very turbulent. Dad was an alcoholic, so that meant um, lots of hardship at home, lots of shouting, lots of violence, all that kind of stuff, horrible stuff, really. Uh, in a sense, I, being the youngest in the family, I kind of escaped it all. Um, I was out in the streets, hanging out with friends, um, taking drugs from a very young age, like from 11 or 12. And, um, yeah, uh, I ended up dealing drugs by the time I was 14, a big mess. And I used to, as I looked back at it, I used to think, um, you know, I'd blame all that uh, uh, delinquent behaviour on the family situation at home. But really, uh, I loved sin and mm. just kept doing it. Um, I really wanted to get away from where I lived. And so that was the reason I tried to knuckle down and get some grades. I got to university in a place in Dundee, um, completely rejected the church, of course, um, based on the background um, that I'd had. But I met a girl at university and uh, uh, I quite liked her, thought she was pretty, asked her out on a date and she <laughs> said, Liam, unless you know and love the Lord Jesus, we would never have any future together. And I was like, you're mental. That is, that is crazy talk. Um, and so that really struck me. Um, she was the first person I'd met who properly believed the gospel and who had full confidence in the faith that she held um, mm. and full confidence in the scriptures that she read regularly. She put a copy in my hand, uh, asked me along to church. I refused to go because of my background, um, but she tricked me. She took me along to campus ministry stuff on Friday where there was okay. preaching uh, week by week. Um, but that was good. Uh, she and a couple of other guys um, that I played football with, proper football, um, <laughs> we played uh, we played football together on a Saturday morning and read the Bible together afterwards. And slowly but surely, over six months, um, you know, as the word does its work, my eyes were opened. Uh, there was about a four month period. In, four months into that, I had a bit of a wobble. Um, <laughs> I had um, two weeks of cutting off contact. I said to Catherine and. The other says, like, I'm done. I don't think I can do this. This is just too demanding, too costly. Um, and so I went and I had a, a horrible two weeks, really. I thought I was having a great time, but it was a horrible two weeks. Mm. And then I found out that uh, after two weeks, I uh, felt hounded by God, um, called Catherine up and said, I want to come back to the, the Christian Union stuff at Dundee Uni. And uh, found out that she and three of her friends had been fasting every lunchtime for me, uh, praying mm -hmm. for me, which was wonderful. Um, and then about six weeks later, heard a guy preach on Gethsemane. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it was then that my eyes were truly open to the gospel for sure. Um, and I, I've explained before, I think, to you, Nate, that I hadn't really seen the extent of um, my sin until I saw it through Christ re uh, recoiling from it. Um, but yeah, I never really understood God's love until I saw him um, rise and go forward to that cross, nevertheless. So mm. um, yeah, I was a bubbling mess that night and didn't like to cry. But yeah, it was glorious. Uh, God mm. was super, super gracious. Um, so convicted of sin and yet so, so unbelievably happy at salvation. Mm. And uh, married a girl, which was wonderful. And then uh, the, the ministry thing kind of um, weaves in neatly to that because... I became a Christian on the Friday, went to church on the Sunday for the first time. Um, and I was really mad. I was really angry. I, thought, I, was, I was 19 years old and I thought, how can, it be, how can it take 19 years of your life for somebody mm. to hear news this good and this mm -hmm. important? And so I spent that whole week 
festering. And then week two at church, I, I, I reasoned that the guy up front who was a wonderful expositor, um, he just uh, opened up the Bible. I still remember it was First Thessalonians we were going through. And he was just opening it up verse by verse, walking through it, applying it to us. And I thought, that, that's what I want to do. Mm. Because I thought, I, I want to make sure that, that, that people don't go through 19 years or, or longer of their life without hearing the gospel. So I figured, how can I tell as many people as possible? I'm going to do what that guy's doing. I'm going to tell mm. as many people as possible to tell as many people as possible. And that was my kind of mm. view of ministry. From the start. I told him that. And he said, whoa, slow down. <laughs> and uh, quite rightly so. But yeah, he took me under his wing. Um, so did Catherine, so did the whole church family in Dundee at Central Baptist Church. And uh, yeah, really very, very grateful for people's love and care and guiding us towards ministry. And you've been at Charlotte Chapel now about 10 years. You guys, you obviously preached there, but also though raising up guys and planting churches. Yeah, I was a lead pastor in St. Andrews for five years, most, mostly lead pastor for that time, and then 12 years now at Charlotte Chapel. So yeah, associate pastor there, but responsible for ministry training. That's been fun, just um, establishing a ministry apprenticeship program then pastor and training stuff, um, giving these guys uh, a kind of experience up to their necks in uh, local church ministry. And people don't know, I mean, Scotland is by, you know, by our percentages, it would be basically unreached. Yeah, it's, it's probably 2%. It's not as bad as places like Ireland or Italy and other parts of Europe. But yeah, certainly it's it's uh, it's hard ground and there aren't many of us. Hey, a couple of quick, just kind of fun questions to get to know you better. So the first one would be this. Besides the Bible, what's your favorite book? Uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah, I listened to a sermon from Galatians from you recently, and you you mentioned the, the evangelist telling Christian how he could get the, the burden off of his back. Yeah. Have yeah, you seen good. have you seen the children's like illustrated uh thing that just came out? The animal? No. Okay, I'll have to send this to you. I've been, I've been reading it with my son at night and it's 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 very thick. Um and he's like a rabbit. Um and so the all the, the different people that they meet and so forth are all animals. Um but it's really it's I mean it's been great for bedtime reading. It's built off Pilgrim's Progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll try yeah. to I'll try to recall it before the end of it. That'd be great. Uh, so, Liam, you just talked about proper football, um, which is a sport where you use your foot. But um, next question is who's your who's your favorite athlete of all time? Uh, oh goodness, um, favorite athlete? Oh, Linford Christie. I grew up watching Linford Christie, hundred meters sprinter. Um, he was fast before Bolt was fast. And in, in both the podcasts I run, Baptist 21 and this one, I can tell you that's the first time that person's name's ever been mentioned. There you go. <laughs> the boy, the man had tunnel vision at the start line. He was incredible. Uh, All right, last question. So became a believer around 19. First sermon you preached on a Sunday morning in a church service, and do you remember the text? Oh, my word. Yes, I do. It was, uh, it was I can't remember how to say this. It was an application. It was a, a short sermon in a kind of youth service on um, 1 Peter 5, where I basically misapplied the word elder to mean everybody who was older than I was. (laughs) 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 It was ridiculous. It got completely torn apart, and quite rightly so. But yeah, it was carnage. It was (laughs) carnage. Anyway, goodness. 
Do you think it was? Do you think it was Christ? Thankfully, the listeners can't see how red I'm going right now. Uh, was it Christ-centered and clear? It was not Christ-centered, and it was as cloudy as could possibly be. That's what it was. Uh, that's good. Well, let's jump in. Let's jump into uh, to Proverbs, kind of overview of Proverbs. Um, John, maybe I'll start with you. Just some preliminary thoughts on the genre itself. Again, we're going to probably do a whole episode, maybe break up Proverbs a little bit on wisdom literature as a whole, but just some preliminary thoughts on the genre. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a a tough topic in a lot of ways because the wisdom literature books don't fit as neatly into like the uh, salvation historical flow of the Old Testament, like the, you know, the former prophets, history books like Joshua Judges, and then the, and then the latter prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah. And so all of those like prophetic books and history books um, really are kind of building on this, what people call the Deuteronomistic uh, history. And so all of this is, you can just look at these salvation historical themes of like uh, the promise to Abraham and then the promise to David and then how the covenant, how the covenants fit into that. And then how uh, when they go against covenant, what God does in terms of holding them accountable and then God's mercy. And so like all of these like salvation historical acts that either are happening in the storyline or the prophets are commenting on the storyline. Wisdom literature doesn't fit as neatly into that. Um, mm-hmm. I think it does fit. And I think I think it, it just it assumes uh, a lot. And there, there are places where it makes it explicit. And so that makes it difficult to all of the people who are writing biblical theologies, just in terms of like, how does the whole Bible fit together? They they have a struggle when it comes to wisdom literature. Mm. Um, I think that the struggle is overstated um, because I think that it's clear when you're anchoring wisdom literature to Solomon, the son of David, that you're anchoring it to that history into that storyline. And then, it, it, and if you do that, then it explains a lot. So what a lot of people are trying to do is situate wisdom literature within the other wisdom literature of the ancient Near East. And so trying to compare it to Egyptian wisdom, wisdom literature or um, whatever. And um, I think there's some, there's some value to that, but mainly I think we've got to see the wisdom literature as a, as another commentary on the storyline of the old Testament. And um, and then there's also an I think an overstatement that people will try to when you think of like the three like major wisdom books and I, I think there's others you can bring in but uh, Job and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes there's this idea that Proverbs is a really optimistic view of wisdom and then Job is a pessimistic view of wisdom and then Ecclesiastes is a skeptical view of wisdom. And and so like they're trying to put it in these neat categories, and I don't think it works out that well. Proverbs, as we're going to see in places, the you have these better than proverbs where it tempers uh, some of these principles and says, hey, it doesn't always work out this way. Um, you know, Job uh, is unique in terms of kind of what it's um, what it's driving at in terms of like, hey, just because you follow the principles of wisdom doesn't mean your your life's always going to work out well. Uh, Ecclesiastes, the author, I mean, Solomon is wrestling with these things, but then the final conclusion is the same conclusion as Proverbs and other places. It's, it's you know, the, 
end of all these things is you've got to fear the Lord and keep his commandments. I mean, so so there's a lot of overstatement where people are trying to, I think, pull the wisdom literature out of the Bible. And I and I just want to situate it. I mean, I, I'm just a guy who takes the Bible at face value. And so I want to situate it within the promises to Abraham and the promises to David. And so we're seeing Solomon. Historically, um, wisdom in the Bible is is associated with certain things. It's associated with um, the knowledge of good and evil. It, it's associated with the ability to rule and to uphold justice. It's associated with the ability to build and to and to organize things. And um, and so that all is flowing out of uh, Solomon and what we see in First Kings three and First Kings four. And so he asked the Lord for wisdom so that he can rule, govern this great people. Um, he, he, he talks about knowledge of good and evil. And then we see immediately uh, the whole thing with the babies where the two, the, the two prostitutes who had babies, one died and then tried to take the other one. And they're brought before Solomon. Wisdom is more than just uh, knowing a set of facts because it's, it's, like crystal clear what the right thing to do is the right thing to do is give the baby to his mom. What wisdom does is, is it discerns who's the correct mom. Like it's not discerning what's the right thing to do. Everybody knows what the right thing to do is, but Solomon is exposing uh, with his, you know, Hey, let's cut the baby in half. He's exposing who's the real mom and who's the one who's not telling the truth. And so, so wisdom is not just, um, is not just a set of facts. It's like it reveals, it exposes things. There's discernment. There's, um, you know, these kinds of things. And, and so we're seeing that all throughout the wisdom literature. And so th- those are, that's just a, a, a brief um, way that I would, would characterize it. But I think that in terms of the way that Proverbs and the other wisdom literature situates within the, the flow of the Bible and biblical theology, is that wisdom is, in my estimation, the daily living out of the covenant. And so um, if you if you want to break down the law, for example, you can break down the law in in two tables, right? Love God, love neighbor. Um, and then all of those all of those laws in the Ten Commandments and then all the case laws that come out of that are fleshing out how do I relate to neighbor? How do I relate to God? And then there's all kinds of daily situations that even the case law doesn't address. And Proverbs, I think, comes in and, and, and does that. Um, and, and so and then all that's going to be tied to Deuteronomy 6. Mm. Teach these things to your children uh, when they get up and when they go to bed and when you're on the way. And Deuteronomy 17, the king is to be a man who writes down the law. Uh, meditates on it day and night, does not depart from it, and then his his dynasty is established. And so I think we're going to see both of those things coming together. Josh, Liam, anything you guys would add there? I think one of the beauties of Proverbs is that it's simple, but yet the depth of it is immeasurable. Um, Anyone Christian, non-Christian can read a proverb and understand it in its basic sense, mm-hmm. right? It's it's a simple saying, but you know we're, we're told in the New Testament, Christ is our wisdom. In other words, it takes union with Christ and our souls being brought to life 
and this new way of seeing the world that actually allows us to to start to go deep down into how that very simple truth, like John was saying, how it how it actually affects and shapes the decisions we make in daily life when when the world gets complex. So the simple truth, give the baby to its mom. Anyone can agree with that. Anyone can quote a proverb and on the very surface understand the truth of it. But it takes this this new way of seeing that allows you to take these simple truths and keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. It amazes me how some Christians read Proverbs every day for their entire lives. So, you know, one proverb a day and they do it every month and they do this for decades and it doesn't grow old because they're even though the the truths are understandable on the basic level the very first time they read them but i think it's a union with christ and this new creation sort of the first corinthians 2 the spirit starts to take these very simple truths and and show us how as as new creatures in christ they apply to so many different levels of our thinking and actions that upon the first reading we never would have considered even uh, so, talking about in some sense, you're kind of talking about the necessity, obviously, of union and then regeneration. Proverbs nine even has like inklings of it uses lack sense, but it's talking about lacks a heart. So like it needs a new heart in order to understand the things that that are going to be said in the in the further chapters. Liam, things you would add there? Uh, I think that's what's been said is excellent. I think uh, in terms of preaching, you can because of the illustrative nature of it all, um, uh, you can apply it to anybody. You know, I've read through, in the summer, uh, we read through uh, Proverbs 1 to 9 with our kids, um, just in our own family devotions, and they got it, you know, no doubt, you know. Uh, and I think that this, the book and wisdom literature in itself just helps us get a good sense of God's majesty, uh, helps us to think rightly about Him and His holiness. Um, there's... Yeah, it 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 packs a massive punch um, when it addresses sin and its effects. And you know, as we'll see often throughout the Book of Proverbs, you've got two paths laid out. There are two ways to live, and ultimately, what that does is um, create in a way that that comes alongside and complements the laws, as John was saying. Um, it helps you figure out what a life lived with a due sense of accountability before this great and holy God actually looks like. Um, yeah, that's all I'd add. John, you, you talked kind of broadly about uh, the wisdom genre. You, uh, you also talked a little bit about Proverbs. Is there anything else you would add as far as main themes, kind of summary thoughts of Proverbs? Uh, Josh and Liam, I'll have you guys weigh in there as well. But just as you're thinking through, you're going to maybe teach this book, just read it for your own benefit, uh, preach this book, kind of what are going to be the big topics that you're going to hit along that, you know, however long that study is? Yeah, I mean, there will be several. I think Liam hit on the two paths. And so you've got path of wisdom, path of foolishness. One leads to life, one leads to death. Um, you're going to have wisdom as a as a person. So the, the person of wisdom, the personification of wisdom um, in Proverbs, a major theme, which we'll, I'm sure, no doubt, unpack. And, and so this, so the two paths, also the two people that, that, that are the rivals for the son's attention. So you have wisdom and folly who are competing for the son's attention. Uh, obviously, both of those lead on a path that lead to either life or death. Um, 
there's there's other like minor themes that that um basically like words the use of the tongue work um relationships uh you know these are some of the main the main like uh themes that that are fleshing out what does wisdom look like in daily life um the fear of the lord is a major theme and so you do have things so you have you have um you know this this um contrast between the wisdom of god and the foolishness of man and and sometimes i don't know exactly how to say this like like not like a venn diagram or anything but like sometimes there are the, the wisdom of god is self apparent right if you're lazy you're probably not going to make a lot of money okay that's just that's pretty clear but then there are times where the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man really clash. And so it's like, um, like all of these verses on generosity, you know, there's, there's a one who scatters seeds and yet gathers more, you know, gathers more or whatever. Like it's not self apparent to us that if I give away the resources I have, then I'm going to have more or God's going to bless me. That, that's not necessarily self apparent. Uh, that pushes against the wisdom of the world. And so you have, you have both and in Proverbs. Um, but it's again just the whole this idea of fear of the Lord and 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 trusting Him and depending on Him and revering Him uh, that that's the that's the path to wisdom. There is the the knowledge of good and evil that that wisdom is more than like one of the illustrations I always use is think about the Simpsons. Like if people were to think about the the show The Simpsons, then you see I, I don't remember what the the Lisa as like the smart wise one. And then, and then, and then, um, Bart is the, the dumb, foolish one. Uh, but in the eyes of the scriptures, they're both fools, uh, because, because Lisa thinks she's smarter than her parents and she smarts off to her parents and, and those kinds of things. And so what is apparently high IQ is not wisdom, mm. uh, according to the Bible. And so these are just some, some major themes. Uh, then there's going to be the theme of, of ruling, um, and and so those would be some of the main ones. But the the you know the main thing that's kind of happening is Solomon is trying to get his son not just to choose the path of wisdom, but to choose the person of wisdom, to have a relationship with wisdom, and that's how he's going to be able to live out the wisdom principles uh, in the book. And so that's going to be helpful for us when we think about how it points to Jesus and how um, how to preach it. And we'll come back around to that in a minute, Josh, Liam. Things you would add there? Big themes, big summary. Um, I think right off from right from the start, you have this sense that wisdom applies and is necessary for all aspects of life. Um, even in the first few verses, you know, you you see sort of it, it affects how you think, it affects how you treat other people, it affects the choices you make, right and wrong. So, not there's not a single aspect of life that is untouched by wisdom or should be untouched. And then it also shows that it's necessary for your entire life. So it says whether you're a young fool or an older wise person, you still need wisdom. And so I, I did. I think right from the start is just saying this. It's impressing upon us the need for all of our lives, for every situation we're in, is we desperately need wisdom. Otherwise, we'll end up being a fool. Um, so just how applicable it is to every person and every situation. 
That's good. That's helpful, Josh. Obviously, we do want to talk about application. We want to talk about how it points to Christ. You, you know, um, oftentimes Proverbs is really an easy one to make practical application for the congregation, for those we might be teaching, uh, but it's easy also to apply it apart from uh, a Christ-centered interpretation of the text, and so uh, we want to talk more through that, and so we'll do that in the next episode. Uh, we do appreciate you listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Uh, please join us next week. Uh, for the conclusion of this discussion. Thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.